Sandra, I'm here to make a statement today right here on Fox News. Are you ready for this statement? All right. Okay. There, there is a difference between men and women, and that is a good thing. Thank you for tuning in to the Removing Barriers podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm MCG. And we're attempting to remove barriers so we can all have a clear view of the cross. This is episode 136 of the Removing Barriers podcast. And in this episode, we are starting a new series we are calling This World Has Gone Bonkers. A series in which we will be looking at the news past and present and offer our commentary on it. These will be videos and articles where we have some opinions but may not have enough to make a full episode on it alone. In this first installment of this series, we both have chosen two news articles and we'll be discussing them. Hi, this is Jay. MCG and I would like for you to help us remove barriers by going to removingbarriers.net and subscribing to receive all things Removing Barriers. If you'd like to take your efforts a bit further and help us keep the mics on, consider donating at removingbarriers.net slash donate. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. All right, Jay, what is the first article you would like to discuss? In this series, this world has gone bonkers. Okay, the first article that I would like to discuss is an article written by a Harvard professor who wants a presumptive ban on homeschooling. Now, this article was written in 2020 by Elizabeth Bartholet and I thought that this article was bonkers because she paints homeschooling as a very dangerous act and that educating our children is something that you can't trust parents to do. And all of the educational, social, and spiritual needs of the child are to be met by the collective in a school setting. And to me, that's just bonkers. Yep, so bonkers to me. Do you have any excerpt of that article? Let me read the abstract to you here. The article describes the rapidly growing homeschooling phenomenon and the threat it poses to children and society. The threat it <laughs> poses to children and society. Oh, before I continue reading this abstract, keep in mind that the pandemic had just gotten into full swing and schools were shut down Many, many, many families began homeschooling, whether they took their children completely out of the public school system or if they were simply using the public school curriculum while they were schooling at home. Either way, the number of families that turned to homeschooling at the onset of the pandemic and throughout was exploding at this time. So this article describes the rapidly growing homeschooling phenomenon and the threat it poses to children and society. Homeschooling activists have in recent decades largely succeeded in their deregulation campaign, overwhelming legislators with aggressive advocacy. As a result, parents can now keep their children at home in the name of homeschooling, free from any real scrutiny as to whether or how they are educating their children. Many homeschool precisely because they want to isolate their children from ideas and values central to public education and to our democracy. Many promote racial segregation and female subservience. Many question science. 
Many are determined to keep their children from exposure to views that might enable autonomous choice about their future lives. This article calls for a radical transformation in the homeschooling regime and a related rethinking of child rights and reframing of constitutional doctrine. It recommends a presumptive ban on homeschooling with the burden on parents to demonstrate justification for permission to homeschool. <laughs> so therefore, there's several things there. One, the kids belong to the government. Mm-hmm. Two, the parents are not responsible for the kids' education. Three, is a backhanded attack on Christians. Should I go on? <laughs> <laughs> Where does it even end? The words that she uses to describe, or yes, I mean, she's not alone in this particular article, but generally she is the sole author, but she cites other people. But the idea is that this is a regime and the homeschooling advocates are these aggressive, we're going to get them type people. And it's really just people who want to teach their kids at home. And so when you know when she says things like, let me find it here, where she says, oh, parents want to keep their children at home in the name of homeschooling free from any real scrutiny as to whether or how they're educating their children. Okay, so the reason why that's not true, and I don't know if she simply doesn't know what the homeschooling laws are in all the states, because it's not a blanket law across the country. Each country has its own. Each state. Yes, each state, thank you, has its own laws in terms of how homeschooling is to be conducted. But there are very few states where you can homeschool without any scrutiny from the government. I'm not saying there aren't any. I'm just saying there are very few. And she says that any real scrutiny as to whether they're educating their children or how they're educating their children. So the implication there is that there is a method that is deemed acceptable for educating children. So if you are, let's say, for example, an unschooler, and that's how you choose to educate your children, I would imagine in her eyes, is that not okay? Or what if you are deciding to use an explicitly religious curriculum? Does that not fall within the bracket of how, acceptable means of how you educate your children? The statement begs the question, if there is going to be a standard of whether or how you educate your children, who is to set that standard? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, Ken Ham says that when they take the Bible out of the school, they say that they took religion out of the school. But what they actually did was replace Christianity with their own world religion. Religion is always going to be in the school. It's just which one. Right. We see that today. I used to be one of those people that would look at, you know, Christians that would warn about taking prayer to school and how that's a downward trajectory and how if you allow this sin, then it's going to lead to these other sins. And I was one of those that was skeptical. Like, oh, come on. You guys are, no, you're alarmist. You know, it's not going to be that bad. And I am very glad to say I will eat crow and I will gladly take my words back and say that I was wrong because the things that we're seeing in our public school systems, in our classrooms, and on social media that teachers are sharing what they're doing in their classroom on social media, even in my lifetime, I am blown away, blown away by how quickly the degradation has been. She says here that many homeschool precisely because they want to isolate their children from ideas and values that are central to public education and to our democracy. You know, on one hand, I want to say, uh, yeah, yeah. Of and course. on the other, yeah. And on the other hand, I want to say, no, that's not quite what we're doing. It's like when you're gardening. Typically, if you don't live in an area that has great weather, 
you typically start your seeds inside, protected in a greenhouse, give the seeds a fighting chance where they don't have to battle weather or the scavenging crow or birds or other critters. They have a chance to grow undisturbed and the way they were supposed to in a greenhouse in a protected environment. And then when they're ready and when they're sturdy, when they've constituted themselves, you can transplant them out into the garden. Well, in many ways, raising our children is the same way. We wouldn't just throw them to the wolves and throw them to the world and allow the world to raise them anyhow. We want to protect them from the plethora of evil influences that exist in the world that as we described in the last podcast, that they are absolutely out to get our children and we need to protect them. And that's OK. But according to Ms. Bartholet, it's not OK. Yeah, definitely. I agree. So I have an article here and this is from Fox News. The title of it is Detransition Teen Sues Kaiser Permanente for Performing Double Maxectomy on Her at 13. Intentional Fraud. She's saying that's intentional fraud, that they would perform the double mastectomy on her. That's correct. Okay. The transition teenager Layla Jane is suing Permanente Medical Group and Kaiser Foundation Hospitals, the medical provider who performed a double mastectomy on her when she was just 13 years old, after beginning to identify as transgender two years before. Now 18 years old, Jane is accusing the hospital system of intentional fraud and concealment involving her gender transition, alleging the doctors push her into the procedure and characterize her gender transition as the only way to cheat her pre-existing mental health problems. All right, so now there's more, but I'm going to stop there for a little bit because it's interesting here that now she's detransitioning, she's calling it a mental disorder, which we all know gender dysphoria is a mental disorder, whether or not the LGBTQIA plus community want to admit it. But also interesting here, she's suing the hospital. And I can't help but beg and ask the question, where were her parents? Hmm. If she should be suing anybody, in my opinion, it should be her parents. Because the article said she started transitioning at 11 and she did a double mastectomy at 13. As far as I know, and I think this is probably the entire Western world is this way, 11-year-old or 13-year-old cannot legally determine these things for herself or their self. So her parents gave the hospital permission to mutilate their daughter's body. And their daughter now become of age is suing the hospital. Now, I do believe that it should be illegal for doctors to mutilate children's bodies. However, it's not illegal today. And it wasn't illegal when she did this. So I don't know what she really has on the hospital that's going to cause them to say, hey, yeah, this was fraud. I think she's just suing anybody. Sadly, she should be suing her parents because they're the one who signed and gave permission and whatever for this. I agree with you to a point. I am one that believes that doctors should be held liable for things like this. Personal note, I remember having been pregnant but miscarried and my body had not yet gone through the process of delivering the children. And the option was given to me to perform what's called a DNC which is a process in which they insert tools into the uterus to scrape everything out. It's a surgical procedure, and there was a very strong push to get that done. 
I was not comfortable with that idea. I'm not comfortable with surgery altogether, especially the two instances where surgery was recommended in my life. There always seemed to be this push to get the surgery done because from a practical stance, surgeons have a very limited opportunity to practice their craft. And so when there's an opportunity to do it, they're going to jump on it. And so they have the incentive to push and get those things done. And so I remember sitting down with the obstetrician and asking a very pointed question on what would happen if I did not go with the procedure. And he just kind of hemmed and hawed and just kind of said, well, you know, do you really want to be pregnant, but not? And do you just... So there was no real medical reason to hurry up and push for the operation, except that he was pushing for it as well. And I think perhaps in this instance, it's possible that if the doctor sees that you've got a child who's confused and thinks that they want this surgery, that they have no capacity or at least very little capacity to see how it's going to affect them 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road. This is a child we're talking about here. So you've got a confused child and you've got parents who are allowing the child to parent and they're just following along. Well, the doctor is going to jump on that opportunity and go ahead and do that, which I think is unethical, which is why I think that you should be able to take a lawsuit to them, if for nothing else, to let them know that they should think twice about being so gung-ho on jumping on this gender transition sort of affirming surgery. Although I do think that her parents absolutely deserve, I would say 99.7% of the blame here, for sure. The doctor gets the other 0.03%. Yeah, but <laughs> I can't say I fully agree with what you're saying because, again, we can talk about ex post de facto laws because now you're talking about it was legal then and then it's now illegal, which is not, even though that's one thing. So you can't go back and sue someone for doing a legal action that was legal then. Right. But at the same time, should the government intervene in this and say, hey, you have to be 18 to do certain things? I believe so. And some states like Florida and I think Tennessee may have, you know, draft those laws that you can't transition a child. But state like California, I don't know exactly where this young lady was but have allowed parents to mutilate their children at an early age. So you can say the doctor is unethical, but unethical doesn't mean illegal. You can say the doctor should not have done this. Again, you can even argue that he's morally wrong as well, and I would agree with that. But I'm just looking at this from a pure legal standpoint because she's suing. She's not coming out and said this. Okay, from a pure legal standpoint, she, I can see what you're saying. Right, she's not coming out and said this was immoral. This was unethical. She's basically saying this was malpractice. And I just can't agree with that, even though, again, I'm not getting on on her. I'm very much sympathetic of her because at 13, she needed parental guidance and not a medical doctor to push in stuff on her and a hospital be pushing stuff on her. She needed parental guidance at that age. Parents that would say, no, hey, let's deal with this a different way. How do we know that the hospital didn't pressure the parents? They probably did. And let me read the rest. Now 18 years old, Jane is accusing the hospital system of intentional fraud and concealment involving her gender transition, alleging the doctors push her into the procedure and characterize her gender transition as the only way to treat her pre-existing mental problems. I don't think I should have been allowed to change my sex before I was legally able to have sex, Jane told Fox News' Laura Ingram last Thursday. I don't think I'm better off for the experience, and I think... Transition just completely added fluid to the fire that was my pre-existing condition. Jane said she previously struggled with mental health, including suicidal ideation, before deciding to transition going into adolescence. Her attorney alleged Jane's caregiver failed to administer the necessary mental health treatment 
before performing a double mastectomy and never inform her that 80 to 90% of teens eager to transition desist from doing so. Informed consent was missing here, the attorney said. It is impossible for a child to give informed consent, and it is impossible for parents who are not fully informed and with a child that was not properly treated cannot also give consent. So the attorney is saying, hey, the parent was ill-informed and the child couldn't give consent. Again, I still put it on the parents, I'm sorry. Jane lawsuit, according to the report from the Blaze, alleged doctors warned her of an increased risk of suicide if she failed to transition to male, adding that they gave her parents a binary option of living with a live son or suffering the consequences of having a dead daughter. Listen, this is why I think that they need to go after the doctors as well. Yes, the parents. But in the last podcast, we talked about how doctors have a privileged position in people's lives and that people trust them so much with very, very significant and important decisions that they have to make with their bodies and in situations that most other professionals cannot help them. Typically, if your doctor says something to you, you're going to regard it very seriously. It's going to have weight. So if your physician is saying to you, now, this isn't just your physician, right? These surgeons and doctors that provide so-called gender-affirming care have an evil army behind them under the label of WPATH, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. And WPATH is made up of other different professional associations for transgender health. There's Asia PATH, there's US PATH, and all of these different paths come together to make up WPATH. And WPATH is aggressively lobbying and aggressively working to change medical, societal, and legislative dispositions and attitudes toward this so-called gender-affirming surgery or gender-affirming care. And I put that in air quotes because it's not care. It is mutilation and it is an exploitation of people who are having serious mental issues. And so when you have an army of professionals behind you allowing and pushing for this kind of so-called care and treatment, I think that the only way to hurt them and to fight back is with the law ensuing and hurting them in their pockets and in their public perceptions where it hurts. Otherwise, they will be able to continue this terrible thing with impunity. They will continue doing it without a care in the world because no one would hold their feet to the fire. The WPATH just announced both USPATH and WPATH confirmed that so-called gender-affirming healthcare is not experimental, and they condemn the recent string of legislation that asserts that it is experimental. The United States Professional Association for Transgender Health, that's USPATH, and WPATH denounces the emergency regulation halting gender-affirming healthcare for transgender and gender-diverse children and adolescents issued by the Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey as lacking scientific grounding, and it goes on to explain why they feel that this is the case. We're not talking about adults. They literally said children and adolescents. So these people think that they can just get a so-called professional association together, and because they're so official sounding and we're doctors and we're hoo-ha, we're in this different class than you, then we can push these things. And someone needs to stick it to them and let them know that they can't do that. And I think legislation and also AGs like Andrew Bailey in Missouri are fighting back. That's exactly what needs to happen. And I agree with you on that front. 
is that I think this is a political issue and not necessarily a legal issue. The problem I have with it being legally allowed for detransition people to sue the doctors who did the transition is that where does it end? Why would it that someone who have, you know, the Bible says their love of money, the root of all evil, mm-hmm. what would stop someone from going to a doctor and say, hey, I am identifying as a woman now and I, well, let's say a woman says she's identified as a man now and they did a double mastectomy on her. And then a year later, she turned around to the doctor because I had mental health issues and the doctor didn't help me. Remember, Matt Walsh had his producer call this hospital and just say, hey, I'm feeling like I want to be a woman. And they immediately push right through for him to have surgery. Yeah. Well, yeah, that should be illegal, but unfortunately it's not. Because it's so easy to do these things, what will stop someone who wants to gain $10 million in a lawsuit from simply going through a transition, losing two breasts to get $10 million? Tons of people probably would do that. So I see what you're saying. I think definitely on a moral issue, ethical issue, I will agree it is definitely wrong. Politicians should make these things illegal, as I said before. Some are actually doing that, but I'm sympathetic to this girl because she was 13. That should be, at least, that should be illegal Mm -hmm. before 18. But sadly, it's not. This world has gone bonkers. The fact that we're even having this conversation is bonkers. Exactly. So sadly, it's not. But I don't think lawsuits should be the answer because where does it end? Again, these dogs are evil, but... Let me, I don't push, know. let me push back just one well, more let me time. Say this, let me say this, though. Also, I think, again, I put, as you said, I put majority. You say 97 point whatever. I put probably 99.999% on appearance. <laughs> the appearance is the one here to be blamed, big time. The doctors, if I want to put any blame on them, if the parents had said no, the doctors could have done nothing. So I say 99.7%, but the other point, did I say 0.07? I can't remember. Anyway, the 0.3%, let's say, because I understand your argument in terms of just looking at it purely legally. But the reason I can't get behind that is because I understand that we're a nation of laws and we're a nation that we agree to follow the law and obey the law. But this is an instance where the evil is so incredibly shocking that the foot needs to come down somewhere. This is an amalgamation, not an amalgamation, it's it's a confederacy of politicians, medical professionals, psychiatrists and things of that sort that have woven ideologies together in order to provide surgery for mental health issues where surgery has never been prescribed to treat a mental health issue, from my knowledge, ever. This is completely new and completely experimental. And it's a conspiracy of professionals that have come together to tell the average American, we know better than you. Shut up and do as you're told, which is pretty much what is happening here. This is why in a state like California, you can transition your kid without letting the other parent know. And the other parent has no rights to try and stop what's going on. California is a different country, though. Yes, that is true. And that's bonkers. California is bonkers. But this is why I'm very happy that she's at least attempting to sue. Because if we just lay down and take it, they will continue without fear of any sort of liability, repercussions. They will continue with impunity. They will just 
they will continue to do it because of the financial incentive and other incentives, of course, that are ideologically driven. Here's my last point before I read the last two paragraphs that I'm going to read of this article. I see what you're saying, or the reason why I disagree, because the same argument can be used against gun manufacturers. When a, when, a, when a mass shooting happened, mm-hmm. instead of blaming the person who pulled the trigger, who had the gun and pulled the trigger, they said, hey, we need to ban the manufacturing, the sale of this particular gun, or they go and sue the gun manufacturer. So let's say Smith & Weston created their, a version of the popular AR-15. Someone bought it and go and, God forbid, shoot up some people, and they go and sue Smith & Weston. That, to me, is the same thing. You're shifting the blame from the people who should really be blamed. The doctor, to me, quote unquote, hate to put it this way, but is the manufacturer here. And the parents are the one who had the gun. I just feel like the parents are the one to be blamed. Parent, parent, that's what you're there for. You know, when she turned 18, she still wanted to do it. You wash your hands and you get on your knees and pray and may the chips fall where they lie. But once they're legally under your care and under your roof, you are the parent. So I'm sorry. Again, I'm sympathetic to her because I know she went through a pretty hard time here. But I don't know. I disagree with the doctors. I think the doctors are morally corrupt. But if I was on the jury for this, I couldn't see that I award her any money because it would be overwhelmingly questioned in my mind. Where were your parents? Why did they sign this? Go and sue your parents. Anyway, she also stated that she suffered from a plethora of issues, including body dysmorphia, anxiety, depression, and pubical struggles, according to a letter from her attorneys. Jane Lawsuit noted a series of health struggles brought on by the permanent irreversible mutilation including inability to breastfeed, increased likelihood of inability to conceive, and endocrine problems. Again, I am very, very, very sorry that this young lady had to go through this thing. But, of course, now she's using terms like mutilation, which it is. Obviously, I guess a 13-year-old is not thinking about having kids and being able to breastfeed at 13. That's one of the reasons why children should not be allowed, because they can't see past their nose, you know. Children is now, what can you do for me now rather than what can you do for me five years down the road? So again, this falls back on their parents. I'm sorry. The doctors should not have been allowed to do it. But since the government have allowed doctors to do this, it goes on the parents to say no. You're listening to the Removing Barriers podcast. We have started a new series. This world has gone bonkers. We'll be right back. This is the Removing Barriers podcast. If the podcast or the blog were a blessing to you, Leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. Hi, this is Jay. MCG and I would like for you to help us remove barriers by going to removingbarriers.net and subscribing to receive all things Removing Barriers. If you'd like to take your efforts a bit further and help us keep the mics on, consider donating at removingbarriers.net slash donate. Removing Barriers, A Clear View of the Cross. All right, Jay. So if you think that was bonkers, I don't know what you're going to think about this one, but there's a private Christian school in Vermont that was banned from participating in sports because they refused to play against a team that has a transgendered teammate on it. So now this is on Fox News. So Fox News is reporting on this. And they brought in a mystery guest to discuss this sad phenomenon. I'm going to play the video, but 
Here, here we go. A private Christian school in Vermont banned from playing sports in the state. The Vermont Principals Association accusing Mid-Vermont Christian School of violating gender awareness policies after the girls' basketball team refused to play a team with a transgender player. Let's bring in Caitlin Jenner on this, former California gubernatorial candidate, Fox News contributor. Caitlin, uh, due to the breaking news... All right, I'm going to pause it there because <laughs> <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner, if you happen to not know who Caitlyn Jenner is, his name before he transitioned to a woman was Bruce Jenner. Is this the epitome of situational irony? They brought in a so-called transgender, like from male to female, although not really because he's not female, in order to discuss... A Christian school being banned for not playing a team with a transgender teammate. Yep. <laughs> this is bonkers. The funny thing is, and I probably shouldn't be making jokes, but the funny thing is when I was listening, because a lot of time when I'm listening to like YouTube videos, I'm not actually watching them. I'm just listening to them. So when the person announced they're going to bring in Caitlyn Jenner, even though I mentally knew who that was, for some reason, because I wasn't watching it, I was expecting a female voice. <laughs> So when he started talking, I immediately kind of just look up and like, what's going on here? But anyway, if you don't know who Bruce Jenner is or Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner is, he's a former gold medal Olympian, the patriarch of the Jenner-Kardashian clan, and he transitioned sometime in 2015. And he also won several awards for his courage, quote unquote, as a woman, including the Arthur Ashe Courage Award from ESPN at the SPs and the Glamour magazine Woman of the Year. So this is the person that Fox News brought in to talk about a private Christian school being banned because they refused to play against a team that had a transition girl. All right, here's the rest of it. California gubernatorial candidate, Fox News contributor. Caitlin, uh, due to the breaking news just uh, this hour, uh, we're short on time, but want to get your response to this. In this moment of so many schools, teams, athletes, Having to make big decisions over oh. how this is handled. Your reaction to this? Well, that, that's a big problem. First of all, I've been very consistent on this subject. I've always tried to protect women in sports. I mean, from the Leah Thomas case, <clears throat> uh, we won that battle. That's a good thing. But these stories, they're all kind of the same, but with a little bit of a twist. What's happened is this, the radical left and their radical gender ideology have really tried to, over the years, blur that line between men and women. And it's infected us not only with transgender issues, but everything. And I just don't feel like that's a good thing. And Sandra, I'm here to make a statement today right here on Fox News. Are you ready for this statement? All right, okay. There... There is a difference between men and women, and that is a good thing. We should honor that. And Caitlin, what's happening? You, you always you know, give it to funny, us straight radical, up. Yeah. And the radical is, left is just no. I know you have used the word that they have yeah. hijacked well, transgender um, in this country, the transgenders in this country. Um, 94 students affected by this. It's a big deal. And we're watching all these developments, Caitlin, because there are many of them out there. I know I've got five seconds, Caitlin. Go ahead. All right. Uh, first of all, I, I don't like what the uh, the league did in banning those girls. They made it a political decision yeah. for one person. Yep. And they had, you just said, 94 girls yeah. were affected. 
over one person. That's important. That's wrong. That's they important. should be ashamed of themselves. Caitlin, thank you so much. We'll have you back yeah. soon. The thing is, I don't disagree with his analysis, you know, <laughs> but the the irony, the situational yeah. irony here is yeah. <laughs> Bruce, Caitlin, you have contributed big time, if not more than anyone else, mm-hmm. maybe except for Dylan Mulvaney at this point. But between you and Dylan Mulvaney are the two superstars of transgender women from male to female. So if you're upset and sad about it, Start identifying as a man again and tell the world you were wrong. Use your fame and fortune to... And I was like, I can rant on Fox. But a lot of people think Fox, sure. Fox is so good and Fox is so... Yeah, they right. they are not. This is why we had that podcast that warned Christians never to confuse your conservatism with Christianity. Because at this point, conservatism is just progressivism. As Michael Malice says, progressivism going the speed limit. The fact that a conservative news organization would promote anything transgender by having a transgender person on there as a pundit or a commentator. I mean, the lack of self-awareness on Fox News's part is incredible. <laughs> that is bonkers. This is one of the reasons why I say people that, that are conservative, that are maybe not even principally conservative, just are conservative in light of everything happening in the world today. The left has gone so bonkers that anything to the right of Mao is considered radical leftist. The right or, of Mao? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Anything to the right of Mao is considered to be alt-right. The left has gone crazy. Right. And that's the only reason why people that are in the center or that have traditionally been in the center are considered alt-right and right-wing now. But Christians need to be very careful with the media that they consume. Just because it's conservative doesn't mean that it's good or holy or right. This is Fox News giving a platform to and validating a transgender person who has, as you said, MCG, more than many others, promoted this idea that men could be women and women could be men. The entire confusion of this whole idea of transitioning and the cross-dressing and the, the separation of sex and gender is purely from the pit of hell. Bruce Jenner or Caitlyn Jenner, I want to call him Bruce Jenner, is definitely a proponent of that. He is championing that and Fox News is give, has given him a platform. You're talking about walking your talk. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you can say he's a hypocrite. I don't know what to say about this, but this is definitely, in a word, bonkers. (laughs) That's bonkers. Okay. My last one will be a video posted by the World Economic Forum. I think this was many years ago. I want to say this was 2016, maybe closer to 19. I'm not entirely sure. But it's a pretty famous video of what they believe that 2030 will be like, their vision for the world in 2030. I thought that this video was bonkers, and I'm just going to list them and let the audience decide how bonkers this is. Number one, you will own nothing and you'll be happy. Whatever you want, you will rent and it will be delivered to you via drone. The U.S. will not be the world's leading superpower. A handful of countries will dominate. You won't die waiting for an organ. We'll 3D print ones instead. You will eat much less red meat. It'll be an occasional treat, not a staple. And that's for the good of the environment and for our health. A billion people, they say, will be displaced by climate change. Next. We'll have to do a better job at welcoming and relocating refugees. Polluters will have to pay to emit carbon dioxide. 
I could go so many ways with that one, but okay. Next, there will be a global price on carbon. This will help make fossil fuels history. Next, you'll be preparing to live on Mars, and scientists will have worked out how to keep you healthy in space. It'll be the start of a journey to find alien life. And lastly, Western values will have been tested to the breaking point. Checks and balances that underpin our democracies must not be forgotten. The absolute irony of that last one. That last (laughs) one is bonkers. I just can't. Anyway, I think this entire list is bonkers for several reasons. It always boils down to the question of who is going to be determining these things. You will own nothing and you will be happy. So you will not own a house. You won't own a car. You won't own anything. Your clothes, nothing. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. If you want something, you could just rent it. I know some people who will still be owning guns. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure all of those people will have accidents on their boats and et cetera. But the idea that you'll own nothing and you'll be happy in light of how difficult it is for couples today to start out in purchasing a home and how many homes that are within the realm or within the reach of the middle class are actually being purchased by large corporate entities like BlackRock and so forth so that they can hold the property and just rent it out to people is frightening to me that the financial independence that comes with being able to own your own home is systematically being taken away withdrawn from people. For what reason? I'm not entirely sure. Next, the U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower. Well, I'm not quite sure they're wrong on that one. They're not wrong because we're already... Especially if they re-elect certain people. They're absolutely not wrong. But see, here's my question about that is, okay, if the U.S. is not the world's leading superpower, and I don't think we have to be, I don't think we should need to be the world's police or anything like that. And I know that police and superpower are not the same thing. But if we're not, who is? Because... China, Russia... Okay, so their next thing was that it will be a handful of countries that will dominate. But all of these countries have different ideologies, different underpinning principles that made them what they are. So how are we going to get along and dominate together? I think they're just predicting their Antichrist taking over by then. They don't know that. Ah, good point. They don't know that, but that's exactly what what they're doing. But they're also just showing their worldview. Yeah. That's all they're doing because this is us clearly... Marxism mm-hmm. at its best, mm-hmm. if you want to put it those way. They imagine a world that is being so perfectly run, a utopia basically. And then the earth is going to be overcrowded. Then we're going to send people to Mars. Scientists are going to figure out how people can live yeah. in Mars. And then they're going to find aliens. Of course, they're going to find aliens. Any human living in Mars for any length of time probably going to turn into an alien. alien so for sure. they're probably going to find aliens, yeah. But They're just expressing their worldview. That's all they're doing here. Well, it's typical of people on the left, right? Oh, these leftist policies, these leftist ideologies would work. They would just work if only people would implement them perfectly. And I'm the one. It seems like they always believe that they're the ones to actually execute it perfectly, not paying any mind to the sinfulness of man and how any system that will be implemented by anyone will always be inherently flawed, inherently imperfect. Yeah, but it's funny when you give them the opportunity to implement a subset of the population or the society with their ideas, a.k.a. California, a.k.a. Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. It never works out. It never it, works out. Let's say one of the founders of Black Lives Matter clearly said she was trained Marxist. Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter got what? 90 B with a billion? Was 90 it? billion? Sorry, was it B with a billion? Either 90 billion or 90 million dollars yeah. in 2020. And now they're broke. Yeah. Well, let me say this. Their foundation is broke. The people that were at the head of the foundation 
The people that were skimming cream off the top, they're doing just fine. They have mansions all around the country, private jets and mansions in Canada as well. But the organization itself is broke at this point. So, you know, next year, 2024, is another election year. Mm -hmm. So I guess they have their fingers and tools crossed that some police is going to do some nonsense to another black man and they can go marching in the streets. Sure. Their corporations get all foolish and decide to send them millions and millions of dollars again. But again, they didn't go to the communities that were affected, that their marchers and their rioters burned down. And even Breonna Taylor mother said she didn't receive any money. She received zero cents from Black Lives Matter, yet Black Lives Matter marched and burned stuff down in the name of her daughter. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Again, at the end of the day, it's going to be some people at the top. They're going to be able to own stuff. And they're going to be people, many, many, many people at the bottom that can't own anything, have to restrict how they breed. Look at them. What is his name? Is it John Kerry, their climate czar for Biden? No. Are you talking about the one that ran in Florida against Bush and they had to do the recount? What's his name again? No, um, no, that's him. He was also in the bomber cabinet, I think. I don't remember his name. I think it's John Kerry, but no, no, no. he actually left in July of 2023 to go, I think it's to China, to a climate summit on a private jet. He flew over yeah. to China on a private jet to talk about climate change. Mm -hmm. All of it is rules for me and not for thee. Are you referring to Al Gore? No. No. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's John Kerry. Okay. Al Gore is another one that's guilty of exactly the same thing. It's rules for me and not for thee. Look at how they say a billion people will be displaced by climate change. I've noticed something that whenever you check the weather or whenever you're watching any type of weather report, everything that's happening in that report seems to always be because of climate change. There are fires in California. Oh, that's climate change. Florida is experiencing record-breaking heat. That's climate change. There's uncharacteristic snow in Texas. That's climate change. There's a river overflowing in some podunk country somewhere. That's climate change. Everything has been tied to climate change. And so if there are different strata of people, you've got the people up here that are determining what, who, how everything gets redistributed, let's say. So it certainly won't be any more difficult for them to decide that, okay, you people over here, because of climate change, you are emitting too much carbon or too much insert devil particle here that they decide to demonize. So as a result, in the name of climate change, in the name of health, in the name of blah, 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 you need to do this, A, B, C, X, Y, Z. This is what they want, as you mentioned, the whole Marxist uh, slant to that. This is what they want, a further separation of the elites and the paupers, the elites and the people that they're ruling over because they know better. Again, we see here, we'll have to do a better job welcoming and relocating refugees. Let's not even touch that one because we can see that France has been burned to the ground. As we record this podcast, countries don't know what to do with the influx of people who do not share your values coming into your country and now people are going to say that I'm racist or I'm this, that or the other. But that is a problem when you have people who do not share your ideas, who don't share your love of country. They don't particularly like you and they're coming in to live in, in your country. And when there's enough of them and they begin to stand up and riot and, or do whatever, and I'm saying that all of them do that. And I'm not saying that there aren't people that are not displaced by economic, financial and perhaps weather related hardship. How do you determine these things if countries have no borders? Countries have no borders. And so that's the new standard in 2030. People can come and go as they please. It's this whole one world, global, one world, new world type order. 
I think that their desire to break everything down and build it up, burn everything down and build it up is sounding quite deliberate. Yep. Here again, the global price on carbon, if you're a polluter, you have to pay to emit carbon dioxide. Listen, when we breathe out, what is that called? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like who decides what the metrics are going to be? This is an incredibly dangerous agenda. I think it's bonkers. The last point is really interesting to evaluate. Western values will have been tested to the breaking point. Checks and balances that underpin our democracies must not be forgotten. And the World Economic Forum is the crystallization of a forgetting of the checks and balances which keep democracies, or at least democratic republics, independent and thriving. So the fact that they would put that down there as their last bullet is ironic and bonkers. Western values are already being tested to breaking point under the veil of victimhood, of reallocating of money and of resources and of funds and undermining of traditional Christian values. Western values are already being shredded, not tested, shredded and pushed to breaking point. So it's yeah. completely bonkers. I definitely agree with you on that, Jay. Well, in light of all of these depressing and bonkers things that we've been discussing, the intent is not to bog anyone down with a feeling that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Nothing like that. Although it is, we want to leave the listener with the assurance and with the comfort that the Bible has already told us that these things must come. There will be a growing anti-Christian, anti-God sentiment among the peoples of the earth until the Lord returns and sets everything aright. Why do the nations rage? Why do the heathen rage? The scriptures say. God in heaven is laughing at them. God in heaven is not at all concerned about their economic agenda. God in heaven is not at all concerned with countries losing their status as superpower or nations dominating, a handful of nations dominating or reorganization or reassigning of the world order. God in heaven is concerned with the individual people that are living in countries, states, provinces, tribes worldwide, and their personal state before the God of the universe. While there is still time in this church age of ours, that is what God is concerned with, the individual and their relationship with the God who created them. This is an era of grace. In spite of all of the terrible things happening, the stories of people suffering severe mental illness to the point that they would mutilate their bodies, parents would stand by and let that happen. And people who promote this sort of thing will also go on TV to denounce that sort of thing. In a world that's absolutely upside down, the individual can see how everything goes to pot when each man is allowed to do what is right in their own eyes. It leads to death. It leads to destruction. It leads to confusion. And God is not the God of any of those things. God has shown us the way to life and truth and peace. 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus Christ into the world in order to demonstrate his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ died for us so that we can be saved 
from this wicked age in which every man is doing what's right in their own eyes. You may think and listen to this podcast and think that this is progress. This must happen. This is a natural result of people taking charge of their own lives and acting under their own agency and all this sort of thing. But how's that working out for us? Our children are exhibiting increasing levels of anxiety, of mental illness, and desirous of mutilating their bodies or suicide if they don't. And adults are allowing this and many other things that we described in this podcast. But the Lord Jesus Christ has shown us the way to the Father. He has shown us the Father. When we see Christ, we see the Father. When we see Christ, we see the way. We see Christ, we see the light, the life. He is the truth. And he says that no man may come into the Father but through him. No man may know life but through him. No man may know truth but through him. The Lord Jesus Christ came into the world full of grace and truth so that wretched sinners like you and I can be saved from this evil generation. Do not look to your politicians. They are lying to you. Do not look to your doctors or your medical professionals. They are lying to you. Do not look to the conservative newscasters. They are lying to you. Look to the truth, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has promised that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. But those that do not receive him are condemned already because they did not believe on the only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin, turn from your ways, look to him, and be saved today. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Removing Barriers podcast. Did you know that you could find us on Twitter, Gab, Parler, Facebook, and Reddit? Go to removingbarriers.net slash contact and like and follow us on social media. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. Thank you for listening. To get a hold of us, to support this podcast, or to learn more about Removing Barriers, go to removingbarriers.net. This has been the Removing Barriers podcast. We attempted to remove barriers so that we all can have a clear view of the cross.